I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. On February 28th, World Rare Disease Day, Noah Coughlin set out on a 3,000-mile run across America from New York City to San Diego's Ocean Beach. The goal was to raise awareness for rare diseases. On July 4th, right on schedule, he finished his run entering the water in San Diego before a crowd of supporters. We spoke to Coughlin, founder of the Run for Rare Foundation, about his efforts to raise awareness for rare diseases. His recent run and how he plans to continue his efforts. Noah, welcome home, and congratulations, and and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me again. It's uh, been quite the experience. Well, for listeners who may not be familiar with your run for rare, perhaps you should begin with a a little history. This was your third cross-country run, which you undertook to raise awareness for rare diseases. How did you become interested in rare diseases, and and what made you think of undertaking a cross-country run? Well, uh, initially when I did my first run across America, it was a personal connection to two girls I grew up with with Batten disease, which is a very rare brain disease. I did the first run across America in 2011, uh, San Diego to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, two years later, Half Moon Bay to Boston, Massachusetts. I uh, picked the run across America in the first place because it, I knew it would at least have the possibility of, of having the shock value needed to to reach the media, reach the lawmakers, and uh, get people's attention and put a human face on Batten disease. Uh, so that was that set the stage for this third and final run across America. Whole intention of, of involving the media and just really starting somewhat of a movement, just a really like light of flame under under rare diseases. It's a very underserved population. Uh, so this third run was specifically for all rare diseases. Uh, after meeting so many people across America, my first two runs, and that's why I decided uh, 2011 was 2011 was a big one. First one, 2013 was the second one. And I knew it was either now or, or never to do this third and final one. Uh, so I chose to run from New York City and one to end in San Diego to uh, wrap it all up. Well, you, you began this run on, on February 28th, which was World Rare Disease Day, and you, you finished on the 4th of July at, at Ocean Beach. Run me through some numbers. How many days, how many miles, how many pairs of sneakers, what what was the biggest mileage day, average miles, calories consumed? Ooh, yeah, that's a lot of numbers here. So uh, let's start with the basics. It was 127 days. That is from February 28th, Rare Disease Awareness Day, to uh, July 4th, uh, this, uh, Atlantic Ocean to Pacific. It came out to almost uh, pretty much 3,000 miles exactly is what I what I calculated. That equals about 20... I believe it's about 25 miles a day um, average. So that's what I ran on average. The highest mileage day was 48 miles. Did that a few times in the in the West, New Mexico, and nine pairs of shoes, nine pairs of running shoes. Try to change about every three, four hundred miles to just help preserve your hips and your knees. And calories consumed, wow, um, anywhere from 
6,000 to 10,000 calories a, a day, not always food, but also, you know, drinks as far as, you know, sports drinks or, or uh, protein shakes. And it was, we can go numbers on, on everything. I can't even recall many of them, but I know I lost about 20 pounds. Wow. Well, when you started on the East Coast, it was the end of February. You know, there's this image of you running into the, the ocean on July 4th at Ocean Beach in San Diego. But your weather range was, was something. If I remember correctly, when you started, you had um, you had real winter weather back east. What was the range of conditions you encountered on the run, and, and how much of an issue was weather? You know, weather, I knew going into it, weather was going to be a big issue, and I felt like I was a seasoned veteran from the first two runs, but everything's backwards when you run east to west, especially starting the winter. But I was pretty dead set on ending on July 4th and ending at the same beach I started the, the very first uh, the first run. So it was about 10 to 15 degrees there in the New York City area, day one, February 28th. There was still snow on the ground. Uh, things were still frozen. A lot of snow and slush for the last couple or for the first couple weeks getting out of New Jersey, and it was zero degrees in Philadelphia with a, a massive snowstorm that came in on day eight, which I had to take the day off. So that that slowly faded away once I got into March down into Virginia. And the temperatures remained pretty, pretty mild all the way through Arkansas. And then I got to Oklahoma, and then Tornado Alley, the tornado season started. Well, temperatures were pretty, pretty calm, or, you know, 70s, 80s. But it was the the wind and the hail and the tornado systems that that really are traumatic to. Well, I don't run through tornadoes. Let's 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 be honest with that. It's but it, they are hitting the general area where I'm at. It is traumatic for the entire state and community, which is which has an effect on me me running through there. And when I got out of Oklahoma and Texas, I reached New Mexico, which was pretty peaceful until I reached Arizona and it was 115 degrees wow. in the middle of June. And that was quite a challenge. It is a very dry heat. You have to be very careful and hydrate, but uh, slowed down my miles and, and was able to pretty much walk through it. And then I reached California. And after about two and a half weeks of 100 degree temperatures, I the last three days headed towards Ocean Beach were 80 degrees and peaceful. Well, no doubt all that running takes a physical toll. In addition, there were other hazards of the road you encountered. How banged up did you get along the way? Well, I did get pretty banged up. Uh, weight loss and fatigue is one thing. That's just a given with, with all the running. But it was pretty traumatic, you know, what, what happens on the road. You can't really predict. A lot of things. Uh, I was already weakened by the first two runs across America, just general wear and tear on my hips and knees. Uh, but knew I was also still strong. My body was still strong. So when I got into you know, about a third of the way in the country, I started to feel some hip pain and some knee pain. And just uh, it, one thing really scared me. I got hit by a vehicle in Knoxville on Easter Sunday. It was a complete accident. And uh, the driver definitely did not intend to hit me, but it, it really woke me up a little bit. For the first time, I actually uh, got a little scared to be out on the road. I, for the unpredictable things that, that can happen like that. So I got hit by a car. 
I was uninjured. The stroller was completely destroyed, so I got a new one. And a few sunburns here and there, which I tried to prevent, but uh, got some sun damage to Just, my just skin. as an aside, I should say that you run with a stroller where you carry all kinds of gear. Yes, yes. So so the, the second and third run, I, I go completely solo. Food, water, clothing, uh, 80 pounds, 90 pounds of, of gear, you know, laptop supplies. And on that, I have a big uh, eight-foot pole and a three-by-five-foot American flag. So I'm very visible. And running across America, wanted to carry the flag as well. So hit by a car and a few sunburns. I, th- I had an allergic reaction to something I ate in Oklahoma. And, and uh, my histamine levels went off the charts and just had to take some antihistamine. That was, that was a freak injury, you can call it. And I, when I got into the West, really had to be pretty dedicated to to uh, running running uh, to a deadline of July 4th. So my, my left knee gave out in Albuquerque. I had to put a knee brace. Uh, that's uh, Those are the highlights of the injuries, <laughs> and I'm still feeling them for right now. Uh, I know you had a variety of sleeping conditions along the route. What was your, your best accommodation, and what was the, the worst accommodation along the way? You know, it was it was mainly hotels and motels. It was uh, cut everything from a really top of the line hotel in, in, in some cities to to a pretty uh, pretty um, bad motel or inn in the middle of a desert. So that was um, that was pretty much the uh, the circumstances there, and that and that's what dictated my running distance for the day. So if there's 50, you know 48 miles between towns, then I would go 48 miles. Well, I, I know you had a documentary film crew in tow for parts of the trip but much of this trip i imagine it was it was quite a solitary run for you what are those solitary moments like away from supporters away from the film crew you know most sometimes it is pretty peaceful to be out there and you're and you're not really focused on the running because you are looking at the scenery or looking at the mountain ranges um but to have a film aspect to it with having someone on the road was uh Sometimes a challenge. Sometimes it wasn't. They uh, they didn't really tell me when they would show up. I would just see them randomly in the desert or in the mountains or in the big city. Um, the third run in, in specifically had the the film aspect. The Luminous Pictures, who's doing the Run for Rare documentary. Um, you think of the, when you're by yourself, you think a lot. You think whether your idea is working. You think whether you make an impact. You think about just everyday things. I mean, I still had cell phones. Signal. I was checking the news, keep, keeping updated on current events, and of course, posting pictures along the way and blogging when I can, and just keep keeping people updated on the everyday thing. But it does wear on you for three, four months in a row. You start to get a little homesick, and um, at the same time, you it becomes your life, which is a weird thing to explain. And that's what I'm struggling with right now a little bit. Is, is is finishing this thing. It's like hitting a brick wall. You don't wake up the next day and run 30 miles or meet with a governor or meet with uh, the media or meet with a family. So it's a very unique uh, experience and I've done it three times. So I, uh, I'm very grateful for, you know, to make it three times. Um, and I felt it was a, it was worth all the effort. Well, you met with many people with rare diseases along the way. I'm, I'm wondering if you could share some of those stories that stand out most. Well, you know, it was both meeting them in person and being introduced via social media, email, website. Uh, it, 
it tends to be a social experiment every time. I, I never thought I'd grow up and say, hey, I'm going to run for 30 million Americans. Now, many of those 30 million Americans will contact you. <laughs> and I really was keeping, keeping track of, of a lot of people who were, who were contacting me. And many times I was able to meet with, with somebody in person. Uh, there's so many diseases out there or disorders uh, to name, but some of the highlights were many of the Northeast families, um, the leader family. Who else? Man, there's just so many. Um, it, it was a combination of, of meeting with the families themselves, either scripted or unscripted. Some people would just pull over and say, what are you running for? See at the flag. Oh, running for rare diseases. Well, I have a rare disease, or my dad had a rare disease, or my nephew has a rare disease. Or that is uh, amazing. It was it reaffirmed my my belief and my suspicion that in every community across America, rare diseases impact somehow. Well, what surprised you most about the the people you met on the run this time? You know, doing doing the second run, I was pretty well versed with the reaction to the the American flag, and uh, it. But it was pleasant to see still a positive reaction in every single state, people honking and waving and pulling over. Um, and that's in every state, every area of the country. Uh, so this run had a, took on a life of its own when I would get involved or connected to a lawmaker, uh, everybody from your congressman to your mayor to sometimes your governor. And that's that's what was different about this third run was it it, it turned out to be a very positive uh, event for legislation as well. well. Did you learn anything about rare diseases that you didn't know when you started this run? I learned, I, I was learning as I was going. There was many rare diseases I had never even heard of myself. So I was edu- I was being educated myself kind of learning more about the, uh, whew, man, it's, it's such a broad topic and there's so many moving parts to it, whether it's the medical community or the legislative area or just the communities themselves. But some communities were, were already um, very active with a lot of their rare disease um, families. Some, I'll tell you, that's, that's just too broad of an answer for me. There's just, uh, there, I'm working on getting the book out and working on actually uh, listing all this stuff out. But it, it, overall, it was a very positive educational experience for me and tried the best I could to really educate everybody who was following along, whether it was on social media or whether it was just the general public pulling over. Um, but it was a very healthy, you know, four month and seven day event that really reached the lawmakers and they, they embraced it. They empowered me to keep going, and that was what that was some of the top special moments on this run was was actually shaking hands with the governor at the state capitals or joint press conference with Congress there at uh, DC. How, how about yourself? Did did you learn anything about yourself that you didn't know before you started this? Uh, yeah, you know, I learned I learned that I'm slowing down. I'm getting older, <laughs> and at 31, you're you're not as a not a spring chicken anymore. I definitely had to work harder as uh, as an athlete uh, to to run the miles, but also I was no longer running for one rare disease. I was running for the whole community. So it was a really a twenty four seven effort. 
uh, that did involve sometimes working with the uh, the film crew and 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 uh, a lot of other people. And the whole point was to just educate everybody about you know one in ten Americans, uh, thirty million, seven thousand rare diseases. So I learned that uh, a lot can be done in twenty four hours, <laughs> repeatedly uh, running and and doing all that. So it was. It's still a lot to take in at this point. I only finished three days ago. So that, that's why I'm taking some time to decompress and, and just, just reflect on everything. Well, what's the, what's the timetable here for the documentary? Any, any sense of when it, it might be released? Well, we do have a majority of, of the film. There's still a few more things, uh, I know that the guys want to, want to touch up on and, and film. We are anticipating a release in, uh, 2016. Now, date, I do not know, but we are uh, very motivated and empowered and uh, trying to fundraise the rest of the documentary and, and work with some uh, some interested partners. And uh, so it, it will be 2016. So we need some time to put it all together. And any sense of what happens to Run for Rare? Does the organization have legs beyond this? It does have legs beyond it, and, and that's what I'm going to take the next uh, couple months to, to kind of reflect. I'm going to talk to the leaders in the rare community. I talk to uh, talk to some advisors and see just just what the run for rare is capable of, uh, considering um, everything that's happened. Uh, I myself am, am done running across the entire continent. Uh, I will be open for small runs, maybe a 5K, but. Uh, I just don't want to risk it myself as as an athlete there. But I, the Run for Rare entity, um, I would love for it to still be contributing positively to to the world, to the rare disease community, and how that fits into the landscape of of rare awareness right now is is something that I'll have to uh, assess. But I'll I'll do it delicately and appropriately with uh, with many of the the leaders in the rare community just to see where what's possible next. Noah Coughlin, rare disease advocate, runner extraordinaire, and founder of Run for Rare. Noah, thanks as always. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.